0: Alright, well, episode two, I suppose, and uh, I've had my first class, welcoming back Shakara Robinson. Again, thanks for coming back.
1: Of course. I gotta keep you committed.
0: Oh, uh, someone does. <laughs> someone does. It's so easy to want to quit.
1: I bet. After <laughs> the first one already. Like, alright, that was cool.
0: Alright, what do you want to know?
1: So I read the blog, class started. It sounded pretty easy, for the most part. Oh, for
0: the first day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean... The first thing she said was some like limited mic time today and all of a sudden panic because I got to get on the mic today. I'm not emotionally prepared for that, Um, but it was just about introducing ourselves. So we did have to get up on the stage, hold the mic, talk into it and look at the people as you introduce yourself (laughs) and answered some questions like, who are you? Who's your favorite comedian? Uh, What did you decide? Why did you decide to take this class and what is your unique perspective? So you got to get up there and give a little, little soliloquy. I was like the fifth out of 13 people. Oh, okay. So somewhere in the middle. I wasn't hiding till last, which is good. And Will they I, remember I, you? Me? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, I'll be back. So, yeah. <laughs> Would anyone else? I don't know. Um, mm. My story is not too unique other than um, we got divorced women. We got cri- oh, quarter-life crisis people. We got... Uh, one guy's wife bought him the, the class because you know, she thinks he'd like it. We got a guy who's like bored with his job or something. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, there's a lot of various people in there. Well, they all good. seem really nice. Mm-hmm. Well, there's some women too. That's about half and half. So That's good. At first, I were, they were outnumbered. It was like two guys and then all women. Really? And then like, the other guys were like late. They came in.
1: I thought it would have been the other way around. Me too.
0: Mm-hmm. It's really cool to see all hmm. these women getting into comedy. That's and so. the teacher's a woman too hmm Yeah.
1: Did you have stage fright?
0: Oh, well, it's funny. The idea of getting on stage scared me, but getting up there, not so much. Mm-hmm. The first thing I noticed when I spoke into the mic was I couldn't hear myself through the mic at mm-hmm. all, which is great because now I can hear my <laughs> voice in my head, how I'm used to it, and not how it actually sounds, yeah. which is why I don't listen to these podcasts either. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, once I just kind of spoke and I knew – this was a beginning thing in everybody. I was fifth, so four people had already, well, three people have already been nervous. One person mm-hmm. who's not nervous at all on Mike, she went first. I mean, the teacher's pet, I'm sure. <laughs> oh,
1: was it a volunteer? Yes, mm-hmm. it was a
0: volunteer. And then after, it, when it got to me, it was like, let's just go in the order we're in. So I was like fifth because I was next mm-hmm. at that point. But I wouldn't have waited till the end. I wasn't. That scary to me mm-hmm. because we're all beginners, and because I'd seen people who also didn't like it, and also <laughs> didn't know exactly how to answer these questions. Um, so I just sat there and I thought, "What am I going to say? Why did I decide to take this class? What's my unique perspective?" And I came up with nothing. So really? I got up on stage and I just spoke. Do you remember what you said? Oh yeah, yeah. Well, why did I decide to take this class? Is because you know I, I, I followed Quarter Life Crisis guy, and then I followed Turning Forty in Six Months guy. So I'm like, I think we're all going to give a lot of the same answers I happen to be. And the first lady was divorced divorcee as well. I'm like, I, too, divorced. I, too, uh, midlife crisis. Mm-hmm. And I, too, I'm 41. So it's like I went off the first Damn. three people. Mm-hmm. Like and I think we're going to all say pretty much the same thing. And then I think for the most part we all did. Most of the young ones it was just like, well, it's something I was wanted to try or mm-hmm. – I wanted to, or I did in college, and I want to get back into it. Or one lady tried and had a terrible experience a long time ago and now wants to try again. Mm -hmm. She's got to prove to herself that she can Mm -hmm. not back down. So it's an interesting group of people, and they're all really nice, seemingly. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like you fit in? Uh, We didn't talk a lot to each other this time. Mm There's a whole lot of looking up at the teacher, and she did most of the talking. I hope next time we get to work in maybe even in groups or if not groups, then we get to like workshop with each other, mm-hmm. you know, tell me a joke, tell, I'll tell you a joke kind of thing and get to know each other a little better. Cause in the end, I think we're, as it is, it's a great scenario for us to be friends mm-hmm. all the way through this process, as mm-hmm. far as any of us want to take it. Cause everyone, including the teacher knows the community mm-hmm. and they know who they came up with and they know who they've met along the way. This would be an awesome group to start with and to follow all the way through and see who goes where. That's true. So hopefully we get to know each other a lot better.
1: That's cool. So nobody's in there like an expert trying to pretend to not no, be we an got,
0: expert? No, we got a guy who is an open micer. he's been doing open mics for a while, and he's a lot of confidence in him, but he just wants to be better, mm-hmm. and I respect that, too. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'm just here. Anytime I can learn, I want a, a jump at the chance, and that's why he's there. So... Like he's kind of the expert of the group. Okay. I mean, as far as they, go, as far as we go, he's the most experienced.
1: It's always good to have that person too. Yeah, you know, absolutely.
0: Along with the teacher, of course. He's got some war stories. Open yeah. mics are notoriously hard because you're not talking to a crowd of people. You're talking to a crowd of comedians waiting their turn. Right. That's and true. They're that's Difficult. True. They're not gonna laugh, even if they enjoy it. They tend not to laugh. Your competition. That and they're kind of judging you. Mm-hmm. And say, do I do any of these things he's doing wrong? What do I do better? They are kind of kind of competitive, you know? Hmm. But what's cool about the open mics is I've been to some, and when you see them go up one at a time and do – and some are terrible and they bomb horribly. And some do better and some are in the middle. But at the end of the day, when it's all over, they all sit at a big table together and just laugh and talk. Mm-hmm. and That's kind of the part that draws me in. It's like mm-hmm. – Nobody's being judged then. Mm-hmm. Everybody is friends then, you know, mm-hmm. and that community is something I'm really jealous of. Hmm. I don't have a community right now. You don't? I don't. I don't feel like I belong to anything.
1: You belong anywhere?
0: Bastard child.
1: <laughs> that's hilarious. So. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Just clearly, that's hilarious.
1: What's happening in the next class?
0: Um, I'm supposed to work on these... Um, couple exercises oh you have uh, homework yeah always of course (laughs) so um there's a thing mind the comedy gap which basically we we made a list she had us make a list of things we're passionate about uh comedy journalism parenting kids soccer human decency i wrote (laughs) and then she said uh podcasting too and then she said like on the other side of the paper right um, what is keeping you from achieving that or from reaching mm. your potential in there? And then you got to find like for comedy and a fear of public speaking. Now you got to find like the funny path between them. Mm-hmm. Like, like where's the funny in between those two things you got to reconcile that. That's something I have to work on. Okay. And she said that list will grow for the rest of your life. Like every time you come up with something and it can be stupid. Like her, her example was I love cats. My cat, doesn't give a shit about me. Like that's, that's the the truth versus the painful reality. <laughs> uh, beyond that is mining for joke ideas uh, drill we did, which was, it's real simple. What causes you pain? Cause pain is funny. That's just always known. Nobody's going to laugh when you talk about how great your life is. True. So you, you find what causes pain that's relatable. And then what is your personal experience? And then coming up with a funny way to just to represent that. So these are the things I have to work on, and they seem like um, everything, Mm -hmm. really. It is basically Mm joke-forming in total. But I think we're not expected to be funny next week. Mm -hmm. We're expected (laughs) to have something and Mm -hmm. then continue with mentoring and all that stuff.
1: That's good. So you're learning the craft. It's not just about being funny right now, but kind of like learning the path to get to funny.
0: Yeah, it's mm-hmm. kind of the the known the known trails, mm-hmm. but everybody's got a unique perspective, mm-hmm. and who knows who knows how anyone gets anywhere. But there are tried and true methods and formulas to everything. So I like it's kind of the scientific method of mm-hmm. comedy, which is dang scientific method. Haven't heard that. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of makes it a little more palatable mm-hmm. anyway, because it's very nebulous. Like what's funny is a nebulous question. It is. How? Why is this funny? You can actually dissect things like that. So now you're learning the true art of it. I think I'm learning the science of it. I think Mm -hmm. the art comes later. The art is in the the uh, the actual achieving Uh the laugh, the performance. The performance exactly Mm -hmm. the speakability Mm -hmm. and the exact words you choose. Mm -hmm. So that that's what I'll be working on the next week. Do you feel like?
1: Sticking with it, like after the first class, you felt like, okay, yeah,
0: I belong here. I'm sticking with it because I have no reason not to. But, yeah, they're super tempting to, to quit. It's always tempting to quit. It's, like John Mulaney said, it's 100% easier to not do something than to do it. <laughs> so, so, yeah, it's not any easier than I thought it'd be. I never mm-hmm. thought it'd be easy, and mm-hmm. it's not going to be. mm mm-hmm. But I feel like we're all kind of at the same level right now, mm-hmm. and then I think we'll find out who's naturally funnier than others. Mm-hmm. And I don't know where I'll fall in that spectrum. That I just don't want to be the I don't want to be the lamest one in the class. <laughs> I don't think you'll be the lamest. But one. <laughs> at the end of the course, September 29th, I think there is a showcase. I will have to get on stage and do okay. a whole five minutes of comedy. I'll be right comedy. there in the
1: front. <laughs> laughing loudly fake laughing i
0: can't imagine I anyone to... paying money for that so <laughs> hopefully it's a free event <laughs> Woo! very loudly it's kind of funny because the <laughs> teacher also said you probably don't want to invite friends and family like right away it's oh, probably no. easier to perform well, in front of strangers uh-huh.
1: L- a little less pressure
0: yeah but mm-hmm. here i am and pretty much friends and family are all that's listening to this <laughs> i'm Man. not going to stop in any anyone's way i'm whether I humiliate myself or not, I'm doing it, and I, I don't care. Come on, don't come. I don't know. It's just I'm not I'm not here to tell anyone what to do. I'm just here mm-hmm. to do what I'm doing, to do and to do it as openly as I can.
1: Do people quit? Like, did she mention that? Well, no. she probably
0: didn't mention that in the first class. No, to be honest, you're not. They don't force you to perform. You cannot. Some people, I guess, just want to be better public speakers at their job or do presentations for their job. Mm-hmm. Some people may like the theory more than the practice, mm-hmm. but there was at least one guy in the one I observed, the class I observed, that chose not to perform for the professional comedians and also was not going to perform in the showcase. Already? He was an older guy, and I don't know why he was there, but that wasn't his motivation. Hmm. And he, he made no apologies for it. And <laughs> no one's forcing anyone to right, do anything. Yeah. I'm forcing me to do this. That's it. Um, The teacher, the class, the pay is the the same. It's not like I pay extra I get a (laughs) refund if I don't do it. I've already (laughs) paid the money, and I'm the one making me do it. Mm -hmm. So I will be doing it. (laughs) Good. Excellent. Did you
1: notice, like, for me in front of people, I'll start, like, fidgeting with my
0: fingers and my nails and stuff. Did you notice any habits? I didn't. Of your habits? I didn't notice that, but I did. In college I had took a public speaking class and my professor was a stand-up comedian on the mm-hmm. side. And I don't know his name or whatever became of him, but he used to talk about public speaking and how he got into comedy. And he would start videotaping his set from the back of the room. Mm-hmm. And he, first thing he noticed is, and he had no idea, but he just paces back and forth mm-hmm. from the left to the right. And he takes gigantic steps. Mm-hmm. And he like turns robotically and he's like, he was as surprised as anyone to yeah. see that he did that. Yeah. So no, I think in my brain that it went very smooth. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea what I actually looked like. <laughs> And my plans only include um, audio taping myself, so Mm -hmm. I have no idea if video is going to be a thing. Mm -hmm. Maybe at the showcase there will be people videoing. Or maybe Mm -hmm. that's not allowed. I don't know. Uh, But no, I don't remember doing that. Doesn't mean I didn't do that. Right. Or even with
1: the mic, just like...
0: Playing with the cord. Yeah. I have no memory of doing anything (laughs) unusual. (laughs) As far as I know, I held the mic at an appropriate distance, and Mm -hmm. I spoke, (laughs) and I looked at people's eyes, and everything went perfect. Yeah. You didn't have any feedback on the mic. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it doesn't, yeah, the monitors are in front of the stage, so I couldn't hear myself at all, so there's no chance for feedback, which Mm -hmm. is good.
1: But (laughs) That's the worst, isn't
0: it? Yeah. You wonder why everyone doesn't set up a studio like that, Mm -hmm. because you can eliminate (laughs) feedback real easy. Professional venues do it all the time. Then you go to the conference room A, and mm-hmm. all you get is feedback because yep. hotels don't know what they're doing. Right? Oh my God!
1: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I almost went on a personal story, but yes. Yeah. Oh, you can do a <laughs>
0: personal story. That's fine.
1: At the job before the one I'm at now, we went to this. We went to Orlando for the biannual conference, and that's what happened. Four Seasons, classy hotel. Kobe and his wife were staying there at the same time we were there, but couldn't get the mics. <laughs> so F- right. we get the PowerPoint.
0: As so long as, F- right. as long as I've been an AV dork, um, I've never seen a job for a mm. hotel AV tech. Probably Las Vegas might have those in-house guys because mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. basically what they do. Um, convention centers would have those guys. I don't Even think that Four the Seasons. I don't think the Marriotts and the Four Seasons no, actually yeah. have those guys. It
1: was just the regular staff. And yeah,
0: they deliver a PA and the, they, they.
1: Here's your supplies. Here,
0: it's plugged in. I can't do anything more for you.
1: Yes, the electricity is free. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the Wi-Fi code?
0: I bet Kobe has to bring his own AV guy if mm, he wants right? to watch speech. You
1: know? Yeah, that was an inter- interesting trip. Kobe at the Four Seasons and Vanessa she was pregnant this was in January. So that's his wife? Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. Pregnant at the time and the kids they have all girls which is hilarious to me. Is it? Yeah it I don't know there's a joke that you must have been <laughs> a, um, <laughs> a very busy man if you end up with a whole bunch of girls. Really? Mm-hmm.
0: My grandpa had only girls that's a that's a interesting thing <laughs> I don't right. understand what it was you mean busy man what do you say about my grandpa? R.I.P.
1: <laughs> How many kids did you have? Five. Oh, that's five not bad. girls. Yeah, That's not bad. <laughs> not ten. See, I always 20. heard there's a
0: special place in heaven for the father of five girls. No, but I
1: mean, you did you did some dirt, and now you're being repaid. For oh, it.
0: karmically. Mm-hmm. Mm.
1: Now you got five daughters that you don't want doing
0: <laughs> stuff that you were doing with girls. Well, I don't know. That's hard to believe
1: mm-hmm. for my
0: grandpa, <laughs> Kobe. Kobe, yeah, I can. Yes. I can. Understand where that comes from, right? But yeah, I he wonder. was chill,
1: like it, it wasn't a bunch of security and like you know extra stuff. Mm. It was just he's tall as hell, so you can't miss him. Yeah, he's recognizable, yeah, but
0: to people who know, mm
1: hmm. But yeah, that was I don't think I could pick him out of a crowd, but
0: really? no, I'm not a I don't watch basketball, really. I know names, I don't know faces. Height is what to get it, yeah. Then, I mean, that might make good. me think. Oh, he may be a basketball player, but I would never know who he was. That's true. Not unless and they do he's come in and out. Yeah, you never know who's who anymore. Unless Michael Jordan, I think, still looks recognizable. <laughs> but that's about it. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, if he's still alive, I can recognize mm-hmm. him. Uh, but Kobe, Steph Curry, all those guys, Scottie Lebron, Pippen, even LeBron. Lebron, I wouldn't. <laughs> I don't great. know if I. I wouldn't have the confidence to pick Lebron out of a. You recognize his hairline. I, I would be so afraid it's not him that I wouldn't even guess I wouldn't even try i treat I treat tall black men like I treat possibly pregnant women
1: and that is
0: keep my keep my opinions to myself <laughs> questions to myself
1: oh my goodness see you'll be just fine in this class <laughs> <laughs> what if they like <laughs> are you gonna try to avoid using? classmates as material, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I don't think I'm going to be an insult comic. (laughs) I don't think that's what I'm geared toward. I think if you're going to be that, you would know that about yourself. It's
1: true. It works for a lot of comedians.
0: Yeah. They Um, can just
1: go up on stage and see people (laughs) and just...
0: Yeah, apparently there's a course, where there's a week where we talk about hecklers and Mm -hmm. how to handle them. (laughs) It's it's a, it seems like it's gonna be a don't feed the trolls kind of situation mm-hmm. unless you're very gifted at What's doing his name? that.
1: From Seinfeld, don't pull one of
0: those. <laughs> Kramer. Yeah. Michael don't Richards. Don't pull a Kramer. No, I will not. <laughs> don't pull a I don't think that's I don't think that's uh, a layer I have. I it better not. I be. hope not. I don't think we'd be friends. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> a layer you had. I, I would know by now, wouldn't I? <laughs> I I maybe I don't know, I don't know. If, if right Michael now. Richards ever worked with any black actors, he might have might have come out sooner.
1: I mean that just was it was like he was holding that in.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was he was pretty bad.
1: <laughs> that was locked and loaded. And <laughs> <laughs> Literally no coming back
0: from that one. None. Yeah.
1: You won't have a moment like that.
0: Yeah. No. You just
1: ignore him, right? Like is that
0: well, unless you're good at taking them down, but the, mm. th- what she was saying was that most of them just want to be a part of the show. By answering them, you're actually giving them what oh. they want. Oh. It's the Don't Feed the Trolls thing. Some people are really good. Apparently, Bill Burr is amazing at mm-hmm. taking down hecklers.
1: And flipping it and just yeah. making them wish they never said anything.
0: But the joke is that he's going to release that as a separate special and make more money off of you. Yeah. So <laughs> apparently, there's a, there's a Philly... Where he basically took down the entire city of Philly when he got heckled in Philadelphia. Oh. For like eight minutes. Yeah, (laughs) Apparently, it's quite a thing to see. I haven't seen it yet. It's probably on YouTube, huh? Yeah. I guess it's called the Philadelphia Rant, Bill Burr. Wow. (laughs) Which I'm going to find. Uh, But again, the joke is, you know, he's going to get more famous based on that, based on what you're trying to hijack his show. Dang. Because he's just good at that stuff. And
1: that's for free. (laughs)
0: <laughs> you didn't even have to work for that right. for free. Right. I don't think I have that. Good. I don't think I'd have that if I had been doing this for 20 years. I still wouldn't be that guy.
1: So that's a different kind of art, I feel like,
0: you know? Yeah, well, quick-witted is one thing, but, mm-hmm. you know, quick-witted and also nasty. That's tough. And funny, like, yes. you know? Yes, yeah, because like, if you're quick-witted and mean, <laughs> you michael richards yeah. he wasn't, wasn't that was not wit i shouldn't say that nothing witty about michael richards and it
1: has never been the same since i think jerry had him on uh, yeah
0: he did i watched that episode it was I sad know. was it it was sad because you could tell the guy knew his life his career was over <laughs> and there was and he even I, I knew i don't mean to laugh but no know. but he like he knew he was friends with jerry but even he knew that this is not going to be well received like, he's actually hurting Jerry by being on the show. I think. That's what I thought. Yeah, I think Jerry convinced him mm-hmm. somehow, but he was, like, just a pathetic, sad guy. <laughs> Dang. No yeah. more
1: stand up after that, I bet.
0: I didn't even know he did
1: stand up. At I don't the time think he yet.
0: did. I don't think that. I think that might have been the problem, as he, I mean, had, he, he was not class. very practiced at he didn't stand go to up. Class. Mm. Maybe he took a too big a stage too soon or mm-hmm. something. He should have been doing open mics. Mm hmm.
1: Interesting. I wonder if the set wasn't going well and that's why people started heckling and then, you know, like the stress of knowing that your set isn't going well.
0: Yeah. And then
1: apparently heckled they
0: and then you just lose it. I'm not looking forward to that. That's going to happen to me because that happens to everyone. I'll beat them up for you. <laughs> no, sets, sets not going well is bound to happen. Uh,
1: yeah, I mean. And how it, you
0: handle it is something you got to think about beforehand.
1: That's natural that you not, you're not going to hit it. Every time. No,
0: you're a monster if you hit it every time. Right. You're just. No, nobody is that.
1: Mm-hmm. Even listening, like I, I loved Bernie Mac. He and Chris Rock are probably two of my favorite comedians of today. Like. Sure. Of my lifetime.
0: Um, Chris Rock bombs notoriously I was because say. he workshops new material so early. Mm-hmm. That he will. He is f- more famous for bombing than he is for anything else. Dang. I think. But. Because that's what he's doing. He's he's working out the team. Mm-hmm. He's not apologizing for that. Mm-hmm. It's meant to bomb, so he can get it to where it needs to be, exactly. to where he can that's, become yeah, huge. Yeah, that's
1: how I see it. Like, you kind of gotta grow a little. That's how you learn yeah. what's working and what's not working. That's right. Is bombing, which mm-hmm. sucks. But it doesn't have it to. It sucks less when you're Chris
0: Rock and worth millions of dollars. I know, right? <laughs>
1: and tomorrow will be another day. Yeah.
0: <laughs> if I'm gonna make fifteen million dollars for a special, it sucks a lot less to bomb on a Friday night.
1: Or you can just get drunk like Dave Chappelle. <laughs> you have Netflix, right? Yes, I do. So I'm I'm gonna give you some homework. You need to watch the Def Jam comedy special, uh-huh. the twenty five year special. It's on Netflix. Okay. Did you ever watch Def Comedy Jam? Uh, a little bit. So you, you will recognize so many people. It's so many comedians that I didn't know came through Def Jam, but just watch it because Dave Chappelle is on there, and you will be on the floor cracking up. <laughs>
0: and it's also good. What, what year is this from?
1: Probably last year. Okay. 18. It's fairly recent.
0: Okay, because I really loved the Dave Chappelle. What was the one he did in D.C.? His special... There's he did it was a, a few, long time ago.
1: Oh, uh, it's the older one. It was one
0: of his biggest ones. Like when he when first he came back, when he no, it was before it was when he first hit, like before the Chappelle oh. show. I can't remember the time. Oh, of he it. was real. Yeah, I think I,
1: I, think I, I know he what had you're just done about. like
0: Nutty Professor or something, uh-huh. and now he was like standing up in I think it was in DC because he talked about growing up there. And mm-hmm. His mom cleaned up after rich white guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, that's one of the best.
1: What have you been watching to kind of, you know, get cultured? (laughs)
0: Get cultured. Um, I'm more of a podcast guy than a stand-up watching on Because it's like watching live sports versus watching them on TV. I Mm -hmm. almost never holds my interest on TV. Comedy live is is great. Comedy on TV, you got to kind of really work to stay invested in Mm -hmm. it. So I'll watch some of the things that I know I like. Over and over again, rather than checking out new stuff.
1: Did you watch the boondocks yet?
0: Not yet. It's only been a week. Any of the homework you
1: <laughs> you. Just because you... I, I didn't <laughs> know
0: that was official homework. You it just
1: suggested. It. It's an assignment. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it'll open you up a little bit. Okay.
0: Yeah, different perspectives are always welcome. I'm not going to be able to perform the Apollo or anything, but... I don't expect you uh, to...
1: <laughs> but yeah it'll culture you up I don't want you to be like this one dimensional white dude
0: with a yeah, beard I, I am <laughs> definitely at a, at a bad point in history <laughs> for white guys with beards comedy
1: so we gotta get you cultured
0: a little bit. <laughs> yeah if I had one hope I would hope that um I don't lose any intelligence going into... I don't think it's possible for you. Well, yeah. It goes back to what I was saying about hating my fans. I think the only way that would happen is if <laughs> I try to be mm-hmm. like an Adam Carolla, where I try to try to dumb it down. Don't. Not that he's dumb. It's just that his ideas are very simple.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: He'll never hear this, but if he does, he'll fucking <laughs> roast me. I can't... I, yeah, he's good at that, then too. Then he'll make it. <laughs> yeah, Right.
1: Please, please roast yeah. him, Adam. <laughs> yeah,
0: somebody leaked this to Adam Garola. Please do. His name is Matt Bell. I used to listen, and now I don't. <laughs> um,
1: do you think you'll do a podcast one day, like a comedy, like for real, for real? I think that'd be
0: my... Well, not that this is for fake, but... I think that'd be ideal for me. I think that'd be my kind of my dream.
1: You need some funny friends, though, right?
0: You know, it'd be kind of fun to have... Funny friends, but also interview professional comedians, funny people. And I think that would be... You do want to do that. You did mention that you wanted to do that. Yeah. Interview. Yeah, I think that's kind of my dream gig, mm-hmm. really. To make money, as a, to be to be doing podcasts and funny. That That's kind of all I want to be.
1: <laughs> that's the real goal.
0: Especially when there's a blizzard outside and I don't have to leave home. That's the best. That sounds like the best thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I can just keep on working. Not in the snow. Right.
1: <laughs> Have you tried writing stuff yet?
0: Mm-hmm. What yeah. is it like for a comedian to, okay, it's time to write a set. I need to write a show. Oh, that's tough because I didn't apply any of the things I learned about the gap or the truth versus painful reality. Mm. All I did was write a premise that I thought was funny, and then I rewrote it over and over and over again. <laughs> and then I would say it out loud, and then I would rewrite it again. <laughs> And that's kind of pretty much, it's not there yet. It's still, the setup is a little weak. Um, I like the end. It's just that (laughs) I haven't built it up yet. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's it's grown. It went from a couple sentences to like a a paragraph or two, a a couple paragraphs. It's not, I mean, it just keeps on changing Mm -hmm. every time I say it or different words that's good, right? fit better. I mm-hmm. think so, because, yeah. I mean, it's supposed to be a conversation. But then I always wonder,
1: like, Kevin Hart, like the Kevin Hart's of the world, once they get through writing out that set and really getting it together, does it change once they're on the stage? I like, don't know. Like, improv, yeah. like, once you get trained to being so used to doing it, do you just flip it up? Or do you <laughs> just stick with what you wrote and what I you think rehearsed? They...
0: Well, I think, and I don't know, but I think what they do is they rehearse it to the point where they think it's the best it's going to get, to where it stops changing, to where you just, you don't have any better ideas, and then it's done. And then you go to your special if you're Kevin Hart. Because mm-hmm. once you do your special, that's it. You're never doing that joke again. Right. It's not a band. You at can't. Least you're not supposed
1: to. You can't mm-hmm. play the
0: hits. Yeah, no one's coming to your next special to see the old jokes. Right. Right. And they get real mad if you try to do that. That,
1: Because they know. Like, your
0: fans, your real fans know. Yeah, they know. They know. They know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you don't go to see your favorite comedian so you can hear that bit that you like. You Mm -hmm. do it because you trust that they're going to have new bits that you like just as much. It's
1: different than music, because in a concert, you you know Mm
0: -hmm. that
1: I'm going to see them perform the same songs that I play in my car. Yeah, they'll change it. And you'd get mad if
0: they didn't. Right,
1: (laughs) yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but it's the opposite in comedy. I already laughed at that joke. I don't want to laugh at it again.
0: Exactly. So. Or I didn't, you know, I've already, I've already consumed it. It's already had its first pass in my brain. Mm-hmm. It doesn't get better than that first time you hear it usually. It's true. So, and that's different for a song too. A song can stay good mm-hmm. for for a long time.
1: That was my, one of my favorite things about Bernie is he could tell the same story, mm-hmm. but he would change up different parts, mm-hmm. you know, and it would just be hilarious. <laughs> like I... I adore him and Chris Rock. I don't know any white male comedians that I might adore as much. But ones I thought were funny, Kevin James, I like his humor.
0: Kevin James? Yeah. I don't think I've seen his stand-up. I've always liked his uh, King of Queens. Mm-hmm. I love that show. And Pat Oswalt came out of that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I,
1: Ray, Raymond was funny to me just on that show. I saw some of his stand-up. I didn't really.
0: The only Ray Romano I've ever seen was when he had he had kids. It was the only bit I can remember. He had kids. He's like, having, having newborn twins or something. Mm-hmm. It's real. <laughs> it's changed it's changed what I think is funny. So I've been working on this new bit. And what do you think of this? Tell me. And he just jiggles his keys into the microphone. He's like, is that, is that working for you guys? Because <laughs> it kills at home. <laughs> so, <laughs> I wonder what he's up to.
1: I'm surprised Jerry didn't do an episode with him yet.
0: Uh, he might have. I haven't checked the whole catalog. I only, I I only go through and I watch who I want to watch sometimes. I do the same. <laughs> 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 I flood through and give the ratings to who I want to give them to. Like Eddie Murphy, <laughs> I did sit and watch his special. Wow. Well, he'll be hitting around the same time as me mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> with his next special. So I hope he's up for the competition.
1: Netflix might not have any money to pay you after that.
0: <laughs> Well, if they're not making money off of these things, and they're doing something wrong. Mm-hmm. Right. they keep on raising my rate. I know. I'm tired of it. I might as well get cable at this eh, rate between still Netflix. still cheaper than cable. I'm still waiting for the a la carte thing to be a reality. Because mm-hmm. I, only, I only realistically want like five or six channels. Mm-hmm. The rest I don't care about. But they want me to pay all this money for 150 channels they'll never watch. Right. So I used to be the person selling that
1: will never watch this. Well, you might have company that might want to watch no. this. No. Or your my kids company might is... want to watch that. <laughs> my company my can eyes. go home. if They want to watch that. Uh, what? <laughs> You're definitely not. You didn't come all I the would way. Sell you didn't to. come all
0: the way here to watch the Hallmark Channel. <laughs> Get home. I, that's true. Dang it, Matt. <laughs> Besides, there's only like six things on the Hallmark Channel. It'll rerun a day and uh, a half. Between that and Lifetime. You literally aren't missing anything. (laughs) I sold a lot of porn packages, though. Oh, that's easy. Mm. You know, porn. Was that before the internet? Because you're not that old. It was when, what is
1: it, the Spice Channel and all of that stuff was still, not the Spice Channel, but they had, there were packages, separate packages that I you could
0: get can't imagine there being a market to be before for tv cuz well you're not old enough to know a world before the internet and i, I can't know imagine the internet, that, to know that there's... a
1: world before the internet i <laughs> used to i just i won't incriminate myself but uh-huh. i knew about the playboy channel on real tv and
0: sure. then it was
1: um, distorted if you didn't pay for the channel but you could still <laughs> hear the noises and stuff Yep. In the background, that C, C-MAT.
0: That's all a real 14-year-old kid mm-hmm. needs, it's just the noises. <laughs> These kids today have it too good.
1: I used to sell it to old creepy men, too. Well, yeah.
0: It was so easy. <laughs> a pretty girl telling you you, you do some a phone, porn. Did you do a phone sex voice while you sold it to No, I couldn't do that. It'd oh. be a little creepy. You, and, uh, you left a lot of money on the table, then. I didn't have to. <laughs> nah, you could have got the younger creepy guys too.
1: They too broke for that. You know <laughs> They'd rather pay the forty dollars to the girl on the side of the road. Oh god! Yeah. And
0: then how many thousands to the free clinic? I know,
1: right? Well, if they own a state insurance, it's a free trip.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I'm proud to say I don't know how free clinics work, <laughs> or even where to find one. But uh, I may be spending a lot more time downtown in the next couple months.
1: Oh, we're at the Diamond Cabaret. Yeah, that's, where is... the, that's where all the comedy
0: clubs are. That's where the class is. At the Diamond Cabaret? No, it's downtown. Oh, I was going to say,
1: this is not a comedy class you go no, to. I mean,
0: if you know of any shows there, let me know.
1: Do dancers have a good sense of humor?
0: I don't think so, but they can gyrate to the rhythm of my voice, I suppose. They'll
1: fake laugh. That's what they're <laughs> yes, doing, that, right? Yes, that's right. Mm-hmm. Only if I'm giving them money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> good
0: times. Vegas. Uh, oh, God. Like that. Yeah.
1: I told you how I went to Floyd Mayweather's club and was highly disappointed. Yep. Very disappointed. Yep.
0: I, and I recommended the Spearman Rhino, which is the only one I've heard good things about.
1: They suckered me into one of those, what is it, time, what is that? A timeshare? Time
0: <laughs> Did you buy a timeshare? I The bought... Wyndham Resorts?
1: <laughs> oh my God. I'm already a member at Wyndham, so they couldn't get me on that. They'll
0: well, still, reimburse they'll, me. They'll, they'll still try to sell you stuff. Yeah. Tell you, you You finally launched your podcast since launched last week. I
1: launched the Two Mom podcast. Tell us about it. So, where do I begin? I had a jacked up childhood. Mm-hmm. And grew up as an only child and found out it hasn't even been a whole year yet that I was adopted at birth. Which a lot of stuff in my childhood makes sense now. Like, my mom was really abusive verbally, physically, emotionally, just a jacked up parent. But as a person, like, we went to church, you know. I had a roof over my head. I had a bed. I had three meals a day. I had clean clothes, clean shoes. So in the eyes of everybody else, I was the spoiled child, you know, like I'm (laughs) my own child. I don't Uh have to share anything with anybody. But my mom resented me, and she told me that when I was in my early 20s. But none of it made sense until I found out that I was adopted. And how'd
0: you find that out?
1: (laughs) Facebook.
0: You didn't seek out any information. At
1: all, because I wasn't, like... It
0: never occurred to you that you might be adopted? Mm-mm.
1: And people, like my friends, would ask, like, are you adopted? Because what I was telling them about how I was being treated, it didn't make sense. Like, nobody treats their kid this way. Mm-hmm. So they would often ask me, like, are you adopted or something? And I'd be like, no, you know, because my birth certificate, you know, had both of their names on it. But what I later learned that is that my birth certificate is an amended birth certificate, and then the state of Louisiana, back then, 89, when you're born, they they make you a birth certificate with the birth parents. But if my adoption was under the, under the table, it didn't even go through the state. And it was like same day handing me off. Mm-hmm. So they ended up drafting a new birth certificate. And my original is sealed with the state of Louisiana. And my bio family, like they're open to meeting me, open to talking to me. And to most people, that would be exciting and great. But for me, it's still a sore spot because I was baby number four. There's five of us. And my birth mother got pregnant the year after me and had a baby that she kept. So I'm 30. I have a sister that's 28, 29. Mm -hmm. So, like, it's too close of a time range for me to feel comfortable with the stories that I've been told that... Mm -hmm. I'm number four, and she couldn't afford me this, that, or the other, but then I have a sister younger than me. <laughs> like, yeah, they they, they found
0: room for that one.
1: So, yeah, my bio family found me on Facebook, and I wouldn't have believed it if my mother growing up didn't say stuff to me like, I should have left you where you were, and um, you have other brothers and sisters. Like, she would say it when she was mad. Yeah, it wasn't it, like, let's sit down and tell you. It was always when she was pissed off. It, so, it's
0: kind of like she wants to get caught She wants mm-hmm. you to like challenge these things yeah. she's saying But you never did No, It was just confusing it, as a child It was
1: confusing like, like okay And then now that I'm an adult I get how sick and twisted it is As a parent to even tell your kid Some stuff like that Whether it's true or false But I, I never thought anything of it And my parents, both of them Were the type that You felt how they told you to feel So even, like, in school, getting picked on and being frustrated. And I was a smart kid, so I would get bored very easily. And they didn't realize it was because I needed a challenge. They always saw it as me being a bad kid or just wanting to act out. But I was always an honor roll student, always. The only time I got in trouble was for talking in class, and that's because I'm an only child. Like, there's nobody at home to... You know talk to my parents Mm -hmm. My dad would be on the couch watching TV And my mom would be in the room watching TV And then I'd be in my room with my dogs Or my TV or a video game Or something like that So when my bio family Approached me like we we I know your birthday that's fine I'm big on birthdays the whole world probably knows My birthday but then they were like We know the hospital you were born in And I'm like okay those are pretty Intimate details that you wouldn't Know unless you were there and so I asked my mom about it, and I just remembered all of the stuff she said when I was a kid about me having other family, and she should have left me here, there, everywhere. And when I called to confront her about it, <laughs>
0: she didn't even fess up to it right away. How do you even make that call? Do you say, uh, hey, Ma, quick question. That's really— Was I adopted? Well, that's how it went. Do you give her a chance to lie at that point? And I say, oh, well, I happen to have other information—
1: So what I did, because I'm not that close to her, which is another element of the podcast, like everybody around me is close to their mom. It's like their best friend and they tell her everything and they're financially supportive, even, even as an adult. I don't know what none of that stuff is like. So I literally just called her. Like, remember, and <laughs> I said, remember when I was a kid and you used to always say these things? And she was like, yeah, why? And I was like, well, I heard from so-and-so, and they're telling me this, that, or the other. And she dropped the phone and mm-hmm. went running to my dad. And I just heard shrieking and, and panic. And, and nobody ever came back to the phone.
0: Not even I, your dad? Nope. Wow.
1: And, ooh, I don't want to cry, but my dad was the best parent Ever. And I'm pretty sure if my dad wasn't around, my mom would have killed me or Mm. or something. Mm. But, like, he, my dad, was my hero. Like, even in college, I had to sneak and ask him for money because my mom wouldn't give it to me, like, for books and stuff like that. So he would, like, he would come over and give it to me or put it in my bank account, drop it at Chase. That was back then when you didn't need a bunch of stuff to put cash in somebody's bank account. But, She, I remember in seventh grade, there was an essay contest, um, and you had to write about the person that meant the most to you. Mm. And in Milwaukee, you know, it's it's a black city, very urban. You know, it's not common for dads to be in the picture. So my middle school teacher was so, like, proud and overwhelmed at my essay. And at parent-teacher conference, he brought it up. Like, he was like, I I just wanted to show you guys this, because... This is like incredible and my dad was beaming and my mom was jealous mm-hmm. she was pissed and I remember for weeks like anytime I would ask her something she'd be like go ask your hero or go ask <laughs> your dad like just really childish really childish jealous it's just unbecoming you know yeah. and like when I was 20, 21 she did end up telling me that she was jealous of me like I'm a kid this is not a marriage. This is not a sexual relationship. I'm a child, mm-hmm. you know, and you should be just as much as a parent as my dad is instead of getting jealous like she felt that I was taking him from her. And that's why she treated me the way that she treated me growing up. Mm-hmm. Now that I know what I know, it all makes sense. But when you're growing up and you're hearing this stuff and being treated this way by one parent and the other parent is absolutely perfect, You don't get it. And there were times that my dad heard the stuff that was being said to me and saw the things that were being done, and he never did anything. Mm -hmm. And even when I found out about my adoption, he made excuses for her. She didn't talk. Like, when she ran from the phone, they didn't come back. This hmm, was either a Thursday or Friday. It took me threatening to change my phone number for them to call me back. Like, nobody felt that they owed me explanation it took me talking through my family members like tell them that I'm changing my number and I'm not playing unless they call me and tell me what's going on and so I finally got a call on Mm -hmm. Sunday it was like Sunday night and they had me on speaker and my dad was doing all the talking and my mom would only speak up to like blame me for something or nobody apologized still to this day nobody said we're sorry for how this went we're sorry, we didn't tell you this, that, or the other. And they knew since 2014 that that's when I started having those really bad migraines. And so I'm telling the doctors all of this family information that's not relevant to me. And my mm-hmm. parents knew this, like, okay, we are doing this test because this, that, or the other. And I'm asking them like, yeah, you're, you have high blood pressure. What did grandma have? And like, I'm going through the motions and they know that I'm actively going through the motions. And even with my health on the line, nobody decided, damn, we should probably tell her the truth about her genetics, you know? Mm -hmm. So, oh, man, so many thousands of dollars in tests and and CAT scans and MRIs and blood draws and medications. Let's try this. Let's try that. All based on lies and stuff that's not relevant to me or my blood type. Mm -hmm. And that's what hurts me the most about it is that they knew I was suffering you know, for years, and nobody said, okay, we should probably sit her down and clear this up.
0: Because it was easier for them to save face, Mm -hmm. I guess.
1: And I think they got comfortable with
0: the lie. You think they might have believed it themselves Mm -hmm. for a while?
1: And it's crazy because the night that they finally confessed, my mom was, it wasn't like, you know, I prayed for you, and I wanted a baby, and I couldn't get pregnant, and this, that, or the other. She said, well, you were going to be aborted. Your mom didn't want you. So she said it like she was doing me a favor. Mm -hmm. It's like, neither one of y'all did me a favor. You didn't. So I'm pissed at my birth mom and I'm pissed at the mom who raised me.
0: So in short, are your parents still in your life? Your adoptive parents?
1: Oh, Yeah, I haven't heard from them since my birthday. But I don't try anymore.
0: Yeah, and no, no immediate plans to meet your birth family?
1: No, no. I don't. I mean, they're excited, but it's still too much. And I found this out last October. It's been ten months, and it's still too much, you know. Because <laughs> I got to process my
0: fucked up childhood. <laughs> <laughs> so what? What is each episodically? What's it gonna be so on the podcast?
1: It's really just a journey.
0: Is it you dealing with all of this? Or are you gonna? Yeah,
1: dealing with it and. There's some people that have reached out to me to say that they've kind of gone through the same things as far as the abuse and stuff. But my main thing is we focus on dads so much as a society. like
0: Focus on moms or no, dads? dads? on dads being absent. Oh, oh okay. You
1: know, like daddy dads or abusive dads mm-hmm. that the mom has become like an untouchable superhero, <laughs> you know? Like, don't you dare say anything about a mom because
0: dads ain't shit type thing. Yeah, well most people who know me know I'm an advocate for good dads. Yeah. <laughs> I think I am one. You are. And you uh, are. Yeah, in my in my job too. It's moms are worshiped, dads are ignored kind yep. of thing. I mean, literally the idea for a Mother's Day story this last or Father's Day story this last year was talking to moms about their husbands. No. That was literally the pitch from uh, where I work. That's how, and it's, yeah, mm-hmm. it is frustrating when you, when you are a good dad and you're right. just, a, everyone just assumes that you're the secondary yeah, parent. Yeah, so, right. So. I'm breaking that wall down. I'm a big fan of yours already, your podcast, for that. And uh, <laughs> again, thanks for being on my podcast of two, course. two times now. Yes. <laughs> a record. All right. And subscribe to Two Mom Podcast. And the website? 2mompodcast.com. Cool. Yep. Anything else? Twitters or anything?
1: Um, at 2 Mom podcast on Twitter. And that's it. Cool. All right. That's almost an hour. Thank you.